The MX Vice Show. Welcome everybody to episode 148 of the MX Vice Show. We have an action-packed show ready for today as we catch to young British star Bobby Bruce who's come back from the long road from injury and he's back joining us and he's ready for a big 2024. But before we welcome him, we'd like to thank Parts Europe for sponsoring the MX Vice Show. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport tagline is fortified through the Thor and Moose House brands and their support of world elite MX riders like Landron, Prado, Langenfelder, Guadagnini, Jonas, Bogers, and nine times world champion Thor ambassador Tony Cairoli. Your Parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross enduro bike, Necken, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycra, Renthalt, Recluse, and many, many more are in stock and ready to be shipped. Check out their website at Parts Europe EU or contact your local Parts Europe dealer with a dealer network of over 10,000 shops. We're sure there is one close to you. All right, Bobby, thanks for joining us, mate, and cheers for taking the time. How's things? Thanks for having me. It's um, it's a pleasure to be on here. Um, it's nice to finally talk about motocross after a long while, but it's it's all good. Finally starting to get there with my wrist, hopefully start riding um, middle of next month, which will be good. It's been a, it's been a long journey, to be honest. Yeah, it sounds like it's certainly been, you know, longer than you would have liked to. Obviously, when it first happened, the plan was probably to get back to doing some racing in some capacity. So just walk us through the incident, how sort of you were going in a good direction with the GPs and everything was sort of shaping up for you to have a good season, mate. So just tell us through the incident and, and what's the recovery and the process been like of getting to where you are now. Yeah, well, it happened at a pretty bad time, to be honest. I um just started clicking with the GP, started to finally get some good results. Um, and then... Hawkstone for the British Championship finally got my first race win, which which was really nice. And then we had Lommel GP coming up a few weeks after that, so I thought I'd go out to Lommel and just just do some practicing in the deep sand, as I've not really done too much on a two fifty. So went out there the Wednesday after Lommel and just had a, a stupid little crash, nothing too major, but landed a bit funny on my wrist. Um, it it was dislocated then, so we went straight to the hospital out there. Didn't really didn't really know the, the the like the serious injury that it was we just thought it might have been a minor little dislocate and then we'll be back riding a few weeks after that but I actually ruptured the um one of the ligaments off the bone so we come back to the UK try and got it like figured out as soon as possible and then yeah it's just the the road to rehab after that it's, it's been a long time but I'm eager to get back on the bike and I, and I can't wait to start soon Oh, mate, it's awesome to hear you be back soon. It's bloody brutal motocross, isn't it? You obviously hear wrist injuries. You obviously Mitch Evans being an Aussie. It's just been savage what he's going through. And you even see some little innocuous ones like Simon Langenfelder last year in Spain, won the GP the next week, you know, breaks the arm and he's out for a little while. So it's just crazy, mate. So how was that time, I guess, just when you were doing well, mate? And obviously must be hard mentally to sort of refresh, recalibrate, or have you sort of used the time to sort of do other things and, you know, make yourself a complete package when you come back? Yeah, it's, it's really hard, especially after the year I had last year where I started the season with an ACL injury. So 
to like to finally get back to full fitness and then that happen it's just like oh why again but you could, i think it's it's normal to stay down for a little while but as long as you don't stay there for for a long time and you get back in the right head shape and you, you start training and i think having a good group of people around you i've got brian that's that's quite close to me as my trainer and he's a real good mentor as well he's helped me a lot through the years so speaking with him every day and just just trying to keep positive and you know everything happens for a reason so just just try and get healed up properly don't rush things and then yeah you definitely have a lot of time to sit back and watch and and see what, where you could like do things better and stuff and um it was nice to get out this year and watch Matterley. obviously it was a shame i weren't racing as a home gp and it's not guaranteed there every year but yeah you can you can sit back and you can you can really figure out what what you want to do and Hopefully soon we'll have some plans for next year. And um, that is that is the goal to start racing GPs again. So now I'm just trying to get as fit and healthy as possible and just be in the best position I can be ready for next year. Yeah, well, that's awesome. It's good to have you, good to see you have such a sort of strong mindset and approach, even though you're so young, mate. It should definitely hold you in good stead to deal with all these setbacks. And I guess looking ahead to Madeley next year for the Nations, that's definitely something you'll be looking towards a great bit of motivation because you definitely would have been, you know, right in the contention this year if you're fit and firing. So is that something you'll be looking towards for sure? Oh, 100%. I was, um, I was looking forward to racing it this year and doing my wrist a few weeks before. It was a nightmare, but there's always next year and hopefully I can be fit and healthy. And, and I think if we have a good turnout for Matterley with the crowd and stuff, I think it it will be a good weekend. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Like you said, being at the GPs is just invaluable to, you know, get you up to speed and know the level you got to be at. You obviously did a few this year. So, you know, talk us through those rounds. Obviously, Switzerland and Trentino, pretty interesting tracks. You know, Trentino's got that soft stuff they bring in with the hard you know, base, it's sort of sketchy in various sections. This Swiss track got a lot of interesting feedback saying it was like a, I think it was Ruben Fernandez saying something like, it's just like a cow paddock with a few jumps, this kind of stuff. So how are they for you, mate? Pretty challenging, you know, but just good to see, good to be in there and, you know, test yourself against these guys because that's the best way to improve at fast tracks, everything, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, Switzerland for me was was a nightmare. It was, we had no expectations really. We just wanted to go there and get a feel for GPs again as it had been a while. But the track, the track was tough. It was really tough to try and find a flow and stuff. And obviously, being my first GP back from from the um, from the injuries, it, it was really hard. Um, but we went to Trentino with like a fresh mindset. I'd done really well there on the one two fives. We had a triple header there, and I managed a podium all three times there. And I feel like my riding was good that weekend. But the level in MX two is 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 top. It's like this the top, so it's not easy. But I think if you go with the mindset that they are the best in the world, then you can't really set yourself up for failure. And this year especially, I just wanted to build every weekend at a GP. And that and that's the goal. And that's what we did do. And um the time we got to Portugal and, and France even, France was like a, a really good turning point for me in the second moto. I managed to come fourth out the gate. And then I run like P8 until five minutes ago before a crash. But that really does boost your confidence. And it proves to you that if you put the hard work in, you, you can run with them boys. And it was nice to finally see that again. Yeah, mate, absolutely. Good sort of, you know, reward that all the hard work pays off that you can match it with these guys. And I guess are the key things for you, just the intensity and the staying power these guys have and just how important those starts are, aren't they, mate? And I guess looking at people like Yago, Kaida Wolf, Adamo, Everts, so many, Coonan brothers, they're just everywhere, mate. So what are sort of the key things you learn from them every time you get to race with them? Uh, it's crazy the level that the boys are running. It's just like in France especially when I was running up front with them it's just it's just sprint lap after sprint lap it's just consistency of running them times 
and just trying to I mean you learn the most when you run behind them so getting a good start like I did in France it, it was huge and just to learn from the lion choices they take because the English tracks compared to a GP track is 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 like night and day different you've you've really got to race GPs every weekend to to get into the groove of how rough they are and especially now that they leave the track overnight from Saturday to Sunday it's it's tough to even train on something like that over here. So bike setups completely different. You just got to, you sort of got to learn as you go. And I feel like a full season of GPs next year, hopefully will be really good for me just to, to get the same consistency every weekend. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, so I've heard you speak in the past about the tracks in the UK compared to what you can get in Europe, just how much it prepares you better being over there. So it's obviously a decision you've made and it's probably the best decision you know, if you want to go far in the sport, like you said, mate. So what's the pre-season looking like for you? I guess you're just excited to get back on the bike and get stuck into work and, you know, mixing your time between Belgium and Spain, I guess, working with Brian, I guess you're ready to suffer, sacrifice and just do everything you can to be on the gate round one, mate, ready to fire. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm going out to Brian in, in a few weeks, hopefully to start our pre-season boot camp cycling. And he's a different animal, that guy. He, um, <laughs> He's in his forties and he still runs with us cycling. He shows us the way. So, get out there and start and start that. And then hopefully, once I'm done with that, we can um, start riding in Spain and just finding the feet. Start off slowly, no rush. And then hopefully by January we can we we'll have our like firm base and we can see where we're at. And then move on to Belgium just before the season starts to get some proper strength in in the sand. Yeah, it's going to be good, mate. It's really cool. We did a podcast with Brian James and I last week, and he's got that edge still, doesn't he, mate? He's got that determination. And it was pretty cool to hear him saying, like, he works with people that really want to do it. Like, you can't sort of be half foot in wanting to be a world champion or a world championship level rider. So he had a lot of good words to say about your sort of determination, talent, and the mindset. And I guess someone like him in your corner with giving you that sort of belief and his presence must be so good to give you the, I guess, the framework, the routines, the structures to to sort of perform and get to your best mate. So, you know, putting those ideas in place with the responsibility and accountability, mate, you must've grown a lot since working with him, I'd imagine. Oh, definitely. I think, I believe that we started working together when I was in the 85. So I was, I was about 12 or 13 and I didn't really appreciate or understand how much work you really had to put in. And, um, yeah, he showed me the ropes. Definitely. There's been a few training days where we've, um, we've shouted at each other <laughs> and, uh, he, he showed me the way, but now it's good because he's, he's, he's like a best mate to me. We speak like uh, frequently and, um, it's nice to get out, get out to Spain. He lives out there now, so we can go and stay at his place and stuff. And he's been around the block. He's, he's won GPs. He knows what it's about and he's still relevant in the sport and he sees the, like the new ways of doing things, which is good. He's not stuck in his ways and he, and he sees other opportunities and stuff. So it's, it's nice working with Brian. He's taught me a lot. Yeah, great bloke to have in your corner. And obviously, you probably have a bit of extra respect for him when he's out there doing the grinding, the training with you, mate. And I remember he was telling a story about, you know, this group of cyclists went past him up this hill and he's like got that mentality where he just wants to chase him down. So I bet he doesn't like being beaten by you, mate. But yeah, he's got to deal with it, I guess, because you probably do it more often than not. Yeah, it's, it's all fun and games until you've done a hard day's riding with him, absolutely battered. And then you've got to go for a recovery cycle and he's he's pushing limits and you, you, you're barely sticking his will. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's all good. Nah, it's good, mate. It's all working towards making you, you know, the complete package and having a multifaceted program. I guess he's pretty on to you with nutrition and diet and hydration and everything and sleeping because that's just so important, mate. And one thing that he definitely was keen on was the no phones during certain times. So I'm guessing he imparts all that onto you too. Yeah, he's, he's not a fan of phones at the track, which is... um. <laughs> 
which is which is a shame. But you've got to respect it, and I suppose you're there to do a job. So if if you're on your phone, you you can't do your job properly. No, I guess looking back at this year too, mate, obviously didn't go as planned, but it must have been pretty cool working with the Assi United Gas Gas boys. Obviously, it looked like you were having plenty of good banter and a lot of the pre-season and training sessions must have been a blast with guys like Evo Monticelli and John. So always a top environment by the sound of them having spoken to Evo, especially he's always making things light, which is definitely good in such a heavy sport like motocross to sort of unwind and sort of refresh a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. We had, To be honest, we had a good team this year, me, John and Evo. We had... um. We had some good laughs in the off season, and we and we pushed each other a lot. I felt like we we definitely gave it to each other some days on the track, which is nice, and and we helped each other train in. And I feel like with a team like that, it's it's so nice to be around at the races. It's it's not like a chore to do anything. It's so refreshing, and like it, you give each other motivation, especially with Evo. He's he's worked for some factory teams and stuff, so you can learn a lot of him. And he and he was there to help, which is nice. There's not a lot of people that um that are like Evo, and it's it is really good to learn off someone like that. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Obviously, you look back not that long ago and he's Roman Fevre's teammate, isn't he? And he's doing really great work with Standing Construct. So he's definitely a talented rider. He's got so much skills and knowledge. And I guess you're pretty keen to tap into that, mate, whenever you can to sort of obviously get some knowledge for the GPs on tracks, on certain situations, routines, the travelling and the flyaway. So did you sort of tap his mind for all that? Oh, 100%. I feel like if you can get as much knowledge out of someone like that and they've, and they've been there and they've done it, this is stuff you can't pay for. So, of course, it was it was nice to ask him for some advice in some areas and stuff. And, it, and he was there to give it, which is nice. And I feel like it, it works both ways. Like he could come to me some days and we could we could share our knowledge and, it, and it's good to learn of each other. Yeah, I definitely think that he was sort of while it was a good opportunity to be in Britain and do the series last year, he's pretty keen to go back to GPs. I remember he's talking to the boss, James, after Madeley, and he sort of was just had those gripes about the tracks in Britain too, not quite what it's like over in mainland Europe, I guess. So did he definitely convey those messages to you? And I guess that's something that really needs to be fixed, especially for the next generation of riders coming through, or I guess they just need to make that step to Europe, but it's not always so easy, mate, with so many financial constraints and families doing busy things and so many programs to choose from it's not easy to for young kids these days or just in any you know era really is it no it's really not and it's a shame and to be honest I've been really fortunate enough for leave from Acer to help me the last four years now and take me abroad and to all the GPs and EMXs but yeah it's, it's, it's hard to get out there and what people don't understand is that English boys are fast on English tracks so when they do go abroad and they're and they're in like the big big arena, they sometimes they can't hack it. But at the end of the day, if if you're good at what you do and, and you're confident in yourself, I feel like you can you can go abroad and as long as you work hard at it, you have no problem with them tracks and stuff. Yeah. It just can be a bit daunting as a kid with all the jumps and how rough they get. But I prefer GP so much. It's it's where I think everyone wants to be. But obviously, it's not possible for everyone to go out there. It's, it's a lot of money and the right people. You you just can't do it. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And I guess you probably speak to Ben Watson and stuff, and he has a lot of respect for what guys like you and Grimshaw were doing, just testing yourself, getting out there. Him Dickinson, you know, even Purden, even though he's South African, the teams are willing to give him a chance and back themselves to go out there and test themselves because that's the only way you're going to improve, mate. So I guess someone like Ben Watson, you must look up to him and doing all he can, moving different places. You know, it's all about chasing the dream, mate, and you got to be fueled by passion because it's pretty much all in, mate. You can't sort of go half in with motocross when you want to, you know, reach the top, can you? Oh, 100%. And yeah, I respect Ben. It looked like he was struggling a little bit with a Kawasaki, but 
he's got on the beat and he's produced some good results, which is nice. It's good to see some English boys doing well in the GPs. You don't really see a lot of that lately. But I feel like as as much as many GP boys we can get in from England is is the better really. But yeah, I've a lot of time for Ben. I feel like he's doing the stand out in GPs. Don't think he's missing out on much back here. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it, mate? So obviously you got Billy Askew will be stepping into AMX next year. Really good talent. Obviously he's recognised that that time is now to move as as young as possible, isn't it, mate? Because some of these kids, you know, Leverkunen brothers, Rosulis brothers, you know, they're absolute weapons and they're not waiting for anyone. They're getting straight into it and, you know, they're really making huge strides. So what are some of the sort of key pieces of advice, I guess, for young British riders that are listening to this on what, you know, the pathway is the best option, mate, and just how would you approach it and what lessons you learn, good and bad? Um, that's a good question. To be honest, I feel like the best, if, if you want to make it in, in Europe, I feel like the best way to do it is is basing yourself in Belgium and just grinding out them winters in, in the wet, deep sand and just trying to get stuck in as from as young as possible. Because, yeah, you look at the Coonan brothers, 16 years, and Lucas is already winning GP races and it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, I don't feel like England are going to produce anything like that anytime soon. And that's nothing against the the committee or any of the any of the races. It's just we don't have the tracks, we don't have the facilities. You know, you can go out to Lommel on a on a Monday and and start riding in at four o'clock and it's rough. You can't go to one single practice track here and and it'd be rough when you rock up and you can do as many motors as you want. It's it's really tough. Also, the weather don't help us over here during the winter. It's, there's nowhere to ride. So, yeah, I feel like as as quick as you can get out to to Belgium and. And just grind it out there and then move on to EMXs and just, just get stuck in and try and build from there. I feel like that's that's the only way you can make it, to be honest. Yeah, and even speaking to guys like Sterry, just saying, you know, just so much travel to the tracks when you live in the UK or to good tracks, you know. So, you know, even like him living in Belgium, it's just, you know, everything's there, isn't it? It might not be maybe as good a lifestyle. you got to sacrifice all that stuff with your mates and moving away from the family, but it's kind of what needs to be done. And do you think there's sort of is there, I know there's conversations about this stuff because even though I'm an Australian, everyone cares about motocross and cares about the frameworks that are in place for the next stars. And obviously the big talk in the UK is there's too many series, you know, there's a lot of different things pulling people's attention. Obviously, promoters, you know, they're in it to make money and to put on, you know, series for the fans and the riders, I guess. But I suppose it gets a bit diluted sometimes, doesn't it, mate? And you know, you look at other countries that do some pretty good stuff with their associations. You know, you see the Banish RFME, they have like a team there in the AMX going on and they sort of give the platform for these riders to go and do this kind of stuff. So is that, you know, maybe something that could be implemented one day back home, mate, to sort of, you know, have a dedicated program just for these kids to race on the world stage, European stage, because that's kind of maybe what needs to happen. We spoke with Steve Dixon, James and I on like a three or four hour podcast and he had some pretty cool ideas to say about it obviously so what's your sort of thoughts on all of that mate yeah i mean there's a there's a lot of talk going on in england at the minute about what can be done better and this that and other but there's not a lot of actions which is a shame but i feel like if whoever's running one series if they can start bonding together and make one whole big series and try and produce the best championship in the uk and get all the top boys there and, and pay the right money for the the boys to be there because obviously everyone knows that Michael cross riders are nowhere near paid as enough as what they yeah. should be um, but yeah, there's. I think there is too many series in the UK. We obviously now we have some new tracks open up, which is really cool. It's nice to race some new tracks finally. I feel like they are starting to make a step in the right direction, which is good. But for me, it's hard to say because obviously I just want to go and race GPs and and find my feet there. But it would be nice to race at home if we had a, a like a 
a series to contend where there is a lot of competition and it, and it is what what everyone wants it to be and you look at the italian they i think they have like a uh back in from i don't know what it is like a police department or something i see lapino running a shirt it'd be it'd be nice if we could do something like that in the uk just to help fund a group of boys to go and race gps i feel like they would help a lot yeah absolutely mate there's definitely some things to work on and things to be looked at which i'm sure there's people looking at it. it's just making it happen like you said the conversations are all good and well but sort of going to the next step it's pretty hard now especially when there's so many of those things have been in place for many years to try and flip the script it's not easy mate but just getting back to yourself obviously we've got a lot of listeners from all over europe america australia so i guess for anyone that's not familiar with your story so far mate just let us know like how you got into the sport you know the key milestones on your way to becoming a professional and just living your dream mate because it's a pretty cool story from top to toe isn't it yeah um so my dad got me into riding when i was about three years old nothing serious, just go out on the weekends and have a bit of fun. And then I actually give up for a little while. I had a crash and, and didn't fancy it. And then started racing when I was six, um, still just, just flying all over the country, racing the British Championship, British Youth Championship. Didn't really think much of it back then. Obviously, you're a kid. You don't really know what you want to do. And then it probably wasn't until I, I joined uh, Kawasaki on the 85s and I went and raced the World Championships um in Estonia and I, I believe I finished 10th and then I was really like okay this is something that could p- possibly turn good and then that was when I started training with Brian briefly and uh he yeah he really opened up my mind on and how to ride a bike properly and how to train properly and really how to stay focused and then from then on I wanted into the one two five only stayed in England then I wanted to go abroad but we couldn't really afford afford much to go out there so then I joined Crescent Yamaha on the 125. I went and raced the Blue Crew at Aston for the Blue Crew Cup at MX of Nations. Managed to podium there, which was nice in the, in the wet. And then it's really then I started believing that like this could really do do something with my life and I could really race my bike. So then Lee picked me up from there. We, we planned to do the full European series that year, but unfortunately I broke my wrist at the first round at Matley. And then we just we just stuck in England for the rest of that year, got healthy and fit. And then 2021 was like a real, real turning point for me. We did everything into it. Lee backed me 100%. And as my coach and mentor. And um, yeah, we started the season really good in, in Matley for the first round. Managed to podium there and was, was really running on pace for a win. And then from then on, we just built every weekend from the Europeans, living abroad with my mechanic, Sam. It was just like the perfect lifestyle, really. Going around the country, going around the world in a camper van, just um, living it rough, and uh, yeah, I managed to finish second overall in that series, which was, to be honest, I didn't really believe that I could do that. So to to get that milestone achievement was was phenomenal, and I'm I'm really happy that I could do that with the team that I was with. And then 2022, we um we was planning on doing the full European series on a on a 250 with Lee at Acer. And um, just had a not even crash. We was training in red in red sands and just dropped my foot on the floor and ruptured my ACL. So that was pretty that that was that year right off, which was a shame. As I felt really good to be honest, everything was clicking. The bike was nice, and then didn't really do much racing last year to be honest. When you rush them sort of things, it, it just never goes right. Coming to this year with a fresh head, everything was going good. Just wanted to build every weekend really, and that's that's what we've done. It was it was nice to race consistently for once and almost get a full year in 
And then obviously that injury come at a pretty bad time, to be honest. But now we're here, we're we're getting fit, we're getting healthy, and hopefully we're we're on for a good year next year. Yeah, mate, on the pathway to success, it's definitely, you know, everyone's backing you and sort of in your corner, mate, once you achieve great things. And I guess, do you feel a lot of the support of the fans? I guess social media has its pitfalls, like we were saying, but it's pretty cool, I guess, to get some messages of support on there. And also at the track, I guess you have a lot of fans that, you know, want to support you and want to just see well. So I guess that's another pretty cool source of motivation. Everyone's following your journey and just wants success for you. It must be pretty cool to have, as they say in soccer, like the uh, sort of 12th man, mate. Yeah, it's nice. And to be honest, the English community is quite quite close when it comes to racing and stuff. So it's we yeah we have a good good support system. I feel like it, it'll be good if we can get a lot of people out to Matley next year for the Nations. I feel that would be a really good weekend. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Obviously, a lot of people you know embracing the story, and you've sort of embraced the journey with you know moving so young and trying your hand at so many different things. I guess growing up was. Who were, I guess, the idols looking up? Were you looking towards the AMA series or more MXGP idols did you have? And I guess you've already mentioned some of the key influences on your career so far, mate. But any other ones you'd like to mention as well there, mate, and forming the Bobby Bruce we have today? Yeah, I really looked up to Roxon. Um, even before all his injuries and stuff, I just liked the way he rode a bike and how fast he was. And then even more so after, after his arm injury, almost losing his arm and still achieving what he's achieving. I think he's a... He's a big model, even for people nowadays to look at and see. Like, if you really dedicate everything to it, you you will achieve good things. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Did you manage to get to the motocross the nations this year at Erne? It looked absolutely epic. So cool, the, the atmosphere and the environment. I guess seeing someone like Roxon, you know, the skill, the mindset, the speed, it's just phenomenal. And the way he adapts to all these different series: Supercross, World Supercross, SMX outdoor motocross and then the nations he's an absolute weapon and on that bike and that program he's loving it the freedom associated with it so pretty cool to see you mate and were you there to witness that in person no unfortunately not me and my dad was planning on going out and spending the weekend to watch but we, we couldn't make it but the crowd looked unbelievable um i feel like that that was that was good to watch and i, I would have loved to race there in front of everyone and yeah i mean Roxon's not even been riding motocross. I don't even think that much. He's just been focusing on supercross and for him to come out and do that, it just shows you how much of a talented rider he is. Yeah, mate. Was that ever on your plans growing up to sort of head over and do some supercross? Like, obviously, you see a lot of guys that are in the framework and in the path. Obviously, Vial's just gone over. Prado's been doing the testing and you hear guys like DeWolf saying they'd like to go, the Coonan brothers. Obviously, a lot of the French guys are probably a bit more well-equipped to do that with the training and the platforms they have there. But is that ever something that was on your mind, mate? Um, I did actually go and race out there when I was on a 65 and uh broke my leg at Glen Helen. But to be honest, it's not really it's not it's not really been a main goal for me. Mainly it's just been going to GPs and trying to climb the ladder in the GPs and then if anything materialized out of that and the opportunity was to go and race America, I would 100% take it. But right now I like I think it's hard for us to like unless you have a load of money and you can go out and do it on your own it's that this a very small window, especially with the talent that's coming up out there, like Deegan and stuff. For me to go out there now and try and train on Supercross, it it take a few years to even get anywhere near. Especially now with the age limit on GPs and stuff, like 19, 20, 21 over here is really the years that you've got to start producing some results. So my main focus now is just like solely on GPs. Absolutely, mate. It's good for the fans to hear that in a lot of ways. But yeah, it's basically like a different sport and they've been 
you know, the US kids are training on that from a very young age. So yeah, you're kind of so far behind the eight ball a lot of the time if you don't have the resources, especially. So probably a wise move, mate. And do you analyze and watch the series over there? Obviously, I'm assuming you're keeping an eye on the guys like the Lawrence brothers, Deegan, Shimoda. There's so many heavy hitters out there and you can just learn so much just watching them, even if it's only on the TV, all the little nuances, body position, head movement, all these little things they do, mate. I guess you're pretty keen into that too. Yeah, I think any... Any European rider likes watching American motocross and supercross. It's, supercross is probably the best thing to watch. And especially now Jets on form, it's, it's unbelievable watching him ride a bike. I think everyone can learn so much, just how effortless he makes it. And then especially at Erne in that, in that last mile, it's just unbelievable. Oh, yeah, mate. It's joy to watch, like, sort of poetry in motion. You hear a lot of guys, obviously saying how much they look up to him but it's just like he makes it look so easy when it's really not that easy the amount of strength and coordination and balance and stability he has it's nothing short of impressive mate and i guess people probably don't realize that because he does make it look so easy but sort of the, the technical work and the strength that have gone into it even be able to ride a bike like that on the pegs for so long it's just nothing short of amazing isn't it yeah i, I to be honest i i don't think you can teach that stuff i think it's just born into you when you're that talented Everett's had the same, Corso had the same. You just they can get on a bike and they can ride ride how they do. And then when they put the work in, everything just seems to click from. So it's it's nice to watch, especially how dominating he was this year. You can definitely look up to someone like that. Yeah, mate. Well said. And I just wanted to get your take on the actual age rule in MX2. I guess the 23 age out rule. There's been a lot of talk about it. Good thing or bad thing. Obviously, they don't have such a thing in America where you can see guys like Christian Craig and the Martin brothers having really excellent careers and RJ Hampshire as well, 250 class. I guess it's, it gives them that extra career path and that longevity. They can stay down and make their own path in that aspect. Obviously, you know, we've heard some pretty cool suggestions from various riders. Should it be performance based, appearance based, you know, podium based, winning percentage, whatever it may be. Obviously, the two titles, that's fair enough. But do you think there needs to be some changes in that? Because, you know, you work your whole life to get to the world championship level and it could be gone before your 24th birthday. It's pretty sad that that happens because there's so much that can go wrong. Like you've suffered so many injuries already. And if you're not a six foot four bloke that's already needing to be on a 450 when they're 18, it's pretty difficult, isn't it? Yeah, it's tough. I um, To be honest, I don't, I don't agree with the 23 year old cap at all especially like when you look at the american series and you see that guys like hunter and stuff that are older and they don't dominate i feel like it shows you and and you see it with like now hogmo he had a pretty strong end of the season this year and now he's got to go 450 next year and to fit like i'd hate to be in that situation mm. and and you see it with ben he started dominating on the 250 and then he had to go into the 450s i i just i don't see the point in it um it, it just pushes people up way too early. And if there weren't an age war, I feel like there'd be so much, so many more spots on the start and the gates will get filled more and then it will leave more 450 rides open for people that deserve them. Uh, I, it's, it's a tough one. And obviously it's not, it's, it's down to the organisers and stuff, but I'm sure there's a lot of riders that agree on that. And maybe, hopefully, that it, it does come back into play before I turn 23 because... 23 going against heavy hitters and when you're just coming off a solid year is I bet it's tough. Oh, absolutely, mate. Well said. And if you're guys like Pantsar and Horgmo and Gifting, it's like you're going up against these factory heavy hitters that have been doing it for the best part of a decade in that class on the best equipment and material. And a lot of these guys you've got to step up on a you know, a decent bike, but it's not factory. So that just compounds everything and makes it more difficult. And I understand that they're trying to make the MXGP the absolutely elite class and funnel everything into that. But it makes it so hard for you guys to put it all into your career, mate. So it's definitely a good opinion you have 
But I guess one thing that is good in the sport is these new teams sort of, you know, creating platforms for you to have factory bikes, like obviously Triumph, Beta, Ducati in the future. I guess for you as a rider, mate, that must be pretty exciting. And I guess especially maybe the Triumph one day, you'd be a perfect candidate for that sort of British spot, British rider. It'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think it's good to get a British team in the in the GPs again. Um, you, you never know. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, we can have a good, solid next couple of years and start climbing into the factory teams. That 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 is the goal. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Your talent and skill definitely warrants that, and we should see it in the not too distant future, I'd imagine, mate. So another one that sort of divides opinion MXGP. That's always good to get opinions of people like yourself as a qualifying race for points. They introduced last season. Were you a fan of it? for it against it and just talking to other guys in the industry and that race what are some of the opinions key things you've taken away from that oh uh, well for me this year i didn't mind it because it, it meant more more race time for me and it, it meant that i can i can get amongst it and obviously with the moto not being that long you can really sprint and try and push with the front boys for longer but if if i was in a title fight uh, it's, it's a tough one because obviously it's, it's unnecessary risk for no reward um I don't know. It's it's tough until you're in that situation. I feel like it's then you'll know. But I feel like for me, more race time is for me is the better. Yeah, just getting the track time, especially if you're unfamiliar with the tracks, is definitely a positive thing. But like you say, whenever you jump on a dirt bike, you have a massive risk, and it's just brutal, isn't it, mate? It's kind of like a it's such a savage sport. Like we were talking before, just you know about soccer and just the players. You know, you could be a backup goalie and earn like fifty thousand pounds a week and not even play. So the disparity and the risk and the reward of the financial sort of outcomes at the end for you guys is so brutal, mate. So hopefully, obviously, with all these rides and things, that that gap gets bridged a bit because it's just a crazy sport isn't it the way it works because obviously the popularity is not there but you know even people like us just trying to grow this as much as possible get more sponsors and i guess outside sponsors like you were mentioning is the key because you guys definitely deserve to get paid you know what you're worth don't you yeah definitely i mean we put our life on the line to go racing and not get much out of it unless you're at the very top or you're racing in america you see some of the posts and stuff about what the american boys are running and it does really make you want to go out there but then again, there's if there's no opportunity and, and you can't make it, then you just gotta deal with with the cards you're dealt. And at the moment, for me, that's that's hopefully racing GPs and to be honest, that's what I enjoy. So I feel like if if you're at the top in, in any sport, you're you're earning good. And the way I see it is as long as I can race and I can do what I love, then obviously money is is a big thing. It's it's what makes you live. But the longer I can do this and earn a decent amount of money, I feel like I'll be happy. Yeah, mate. Well said obviously been through so many tough times just getting to do what you do is a really cool achievement in itself isn't it obviously you're young it's probably something you don't probably look back on because you've got so much more to achieve but it is a massive achievement just to get into where you are at the moment mate because there's, there's not many people that make it you know i think there's some statistic going around in the you know the soccer world where i think it's something like 0.0018 percent of youngsters that go into academies at the age of 10 that's how many people turn professional so to do even be a pro in your chosen sport mate it's pretty impressive and yeah you know, what do you think about that number mate i guess it puts it into perspective a bit doesn't it yeah that is pretty crazy and to be honest you you really see that when you're injured and you're sitting back it really opens your eyes and realize that what you do for a living and what you love is is pretty cool. And to be honest, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. That gives you a good motivation because you don't want to go back to work and say a regular day job where the passion's not there. So to do what you love, it, it makes it a massive difference. So that's for sure. And I wanted to ask you, we were talking about confidence with Brian and obviously you've got to have that sort of killer mindset and just that approach to doing everything in a coherent way and working just super hard because obviously the behind the scenes stuff 
no one sees that except you and your trainer, I guess, and you're in a circle. It really is a lot. So where does your sort of confidence come from? Where do you extract it from? Is it doing the training work? Is it getting good results in races or, you know, just knowing that you're eating right and putting all the plans in place and I guess to feel like you're really strong and ready to compete at your best? Oh, 100%. I feel like the confidence comes in the work that you do. If you know that you've put the work in and, and you've not missed any training days, that's that's where your confidence comes from. You know that you can line up on the start and and believe in yourself and that you won't get tired. And then obviously, being a good rider is is a whole package. You've got to be fit, you've got to be strong. And then at the end of the day, you've got to be fast and, and a bit ruthless. So I feel like when you train hard and, and you have your good confidence in yourself and you believe in yourself, then then you can believe in yourself like fully. And when you're racing, it's, it's so big to have a strong mindset. If, if you haven't got a strong mindset, then you're really not going to make it. So yeah, putting in the work and especially with Brian, he he's really good at that stuff, getting in your head and just and just making sure that you believe in yourself first and foremost. Yeah, absolutely, mate. He sort of you definitely believe what he's saying when he talks to you. So that it's definitely helps the delivery and the execution and him doing the work with you must be super cool too. And I wanted to get your thoughts on how's the, you know, testing and bike setup. That obviously plays quite a big role too. Obviously, you would have been pretty happy with the platform last year. So I guess that all comes together how are you with the testing and the setup is that something you're pretty pedantic with or you're more like one of those guys that just wants to ride and you know not worry about making it absolutely perfect and changing every three seconds like Liam Evans even said to me there's only so much you can do you sort of want to have a base and feel comfortable on that and make that yours and then work little bits around it not throwing out everything every time because that just sort of you know leads to setbacks and frustration and anger so how's your approach to testing mate? Oh, it's a tough one. I feel like you can you can really dig yourself a hole with with testing and and bikes up. But I feel like once you do have a a comfortable base and you know that you can have solid results on a bike, then you know you're not a million miles away. And it's so easy after a tough race to come in and blame the bike and stuff. And to be honest, I'm I'm quite picky with my bike. I have quite good feeling with it. So when something is off, I tend to be off. I'm not one that pushes the limits too much and gets out of shape. But yeah, working with people like Brian and having trust in them and what they say, and also the people that that are on the team, we had some we had some good people around us, some good engine tuners, good suspension guys. So it was nice to work with them, and you and you learn so much even from guys like Evo with bike setup. He he likes his stuff really stiff, and I remember in the off season he was saying that um we was like there's no way this stuff's gonna work in the UK. It's too stiff. But he was like nope. Once like he's so set in his ways on bikes setup for GPS will work anywhere. And I don't think it worked the best for him in the UK, but then again, it's, it's his own feeling and what, what he believes in. But yes, bike setup's a tough one. I feel like you just got to get on with it some days and, and if the results don't come, they don't come. You can't go blaming the bike so much, which, which is very easy to do. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's just another sort of mental doubt that can creep in. And I like what you said there, mate. You sort of don't want to have any excuses and let that play on your mind because you're the rider and you make up the difference in a lot of cases. Like you see a lot of heavy hitters, if they're really good on a on a stock bike, they still do super well. So that's the really cool thing about motocross. Obviously, the elite materials important, but the rider can just make such a massive difference too, which is kind of an awesome leveler, isn't it, mate? Oh, 100%. If, if you're a good rider, I think you can ride anything. Especially you see Roxon on the Suzuki and stuff. He's not lost any pace. So it's there in black and white that if if you put the work in and you are you are talented, gifted and, and, and dedicated, you can do anything you want. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And obviously a couple more before we let you go. Just in terms of track prep in general, 
in the GPs, I guess there's been a lot of chat about that. Obviously, they run so many classes, the AMX ones and some other junior ones often as well. So obviously, it doesn't give the guys a lot of time to fix any things that needs to be done. I guess it's a difficult balance between safety and, you know, having a good track that races well and challenging you guys because, you know, you're the elite, the best of the best. You want to be challenged. You want to have to adapt. You always want to be testing yourself. So what's your thought on it, mate? Does it need work or you're pretty happy with it and just let it go out there and everyone's on the same thing? So you all got to deal with it. Oh, 100%. I think that GPs do a pretty good job with the track prep. I remember, I think, I think the only track this year where I thought was a bit hit and miss was obviously Switzerland. It was quite tight and stuff and it was it was hard to find the flow. But other than that, it's, if, if it was flat, it'd be like a motorway, everyone would be fast. I feel like when it gets rough, you really see who can ride a bike properly, who's got the most skills and technique. And I quite like it like that. I like the long, deep ruts like there was in France. It, it separates everyone, which is nice. And at the end of the day, you're riding motorbikes. So if you, if you want it flat and prepped and groomed, then go to road racing. Yeah, well said, mate. Obviously, you want those difference-making sections where you can really rise to the top on any given surface because obviously so many different terrains, you know, even the hard packs, they all have their little different nuances too, mate. And I remember talking to Jason Thomas. He said, if you're not completely comfortable, you can always roll off, can't you? Yeah, exactly. Not that you guys probably want to too much, but it's definitely a reasonable option, mate, if you're not feeling it that day and you see guys like Tomac, they're just so good at mastering the art of knowing when they have it, knowing when they don't have it and still picking up the points too, mate. So all that sort of stuff adds into it. And just wanted to ask, with motocross being such a heavy, brutal sport all in, is there some sort of things you like to do in your spare time, hobbies to sort of unwind and, I guess, recalibrate your focus, golf, anything like this kind of activity? Not really. So, so I really enjoy cycling. Cycling's like my, my favourite hobby other than other than motocross and going gym and just keeping fit, really. Um, I tried my, my luck in golf and, to be honest, it makes me more stressed than when I first turn up. So I'll leave that one to the other boys. But maybe I'll have a little tap in again soon and, and try and perfect my swing. Yeah, man, I suppose you see the Lawrence brothers, I suppose that Florida weather probably lends itself to golfing a little bit better as well, mate. So that's pretty cool to see. And just with the preseason coming up, I guess that's such an important part in your guys' seasons, isn't it? Just to have that base. Because obviously when the racing kicks off, there's not really too much time for really getting that fitness work in that hard slogging. So I guess you're putting a lot of onus on this preseason to come in the 24, absolutely primed and ready for action, aren't you? Oh, 100%. This this is the best time to get fit, ready for the season, especially coming off an injury. You you want to make sure that there's no chance of that happening again. So trying to get as strong as possible and just knowing in your head that you're coming in the season uh, like all guns blazing and there's not been a stone unturned. And that just gives you the belief. And yeah, I've, I feel like I'm doing everything I can to be back fit for 2024 and praying for a good year. Yeah, mate. Obviously, you'd be probably looking towards the calendar. What are some of your favourite tracks that you're particularly looking forward to and how much, I guess, sand skills are you going to be getting in? And you're obviously very comfortable on the sand too, mate. So do you have a preference, sand or hard pack? And what are some of the tracks you particularly got your eye on for next year? Uh, I don't really have a preference between sand and hard pack. I do really like nice, tacky, long, deep ruts. And I've raced quite a lot of the GP tracks now, actually, apart from the flyaways. I'm quite looking forward to Argentina for the first round. Mm. I've not been there yet and it looks quite fast and open. So it'd be fun to get around there. And just race a GP every weekend. That's that's the most important thing for me. I just want to look forward to going to a GP every weekend and just build every weekend. That's what I'm most looking forward to. 
Absolutely, mate. Definitely looking forward to seeing you out there and the fans will be sort of relishing seeing a full year of Bobby Bruce, hopefully, mate, just to get that progression and development, which is already there. And just on that Argentina track, a lot of guys love it. A lot of guys hate it. It's got that sort of soil, that wispy stuff where you can sort of, that sewer crash, you know, everything seems to be in control and you sort of think, oh, how'd that happen? Which is what he said, which is that was a massive stack. And it can sort of have that little bit of unpredictability about it, mate. But it definitely looks like one of the better GPs to go to. James went this year and just the fans, they love it. The queues are massive. They just really love their motocross down there and probably pretty scenic place as well, mate. So it doesn't get much better than that. If you can make it to Argentina, does it? No, 100%. I think that's what it's all about, going to see the different culture and just seeing the rest of the world, really. I don't feel like a lot of people have the opportunity to go and ride their motorbike in Argentina. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, mate. But I think it makes the travel all the more worth it, that's for sure. And just before I let you go, mate, just anyone you'd like to thank in particular, shout out, where can the fans, you know, check out your social media? And have you got some blogs planned or anything like that for 2024 as well to keep the fans engaged as well? Yeah, actually, currently we are in talks of um of bringing a YouTube for me for next year and just a little insight on, on my life and, and training and stuff. And it should be starting in the next few weeks. So, um. I'll have to start posting on my Instagram about that. Find me on Instagram, Bobby Bruce five seven nine, and um, yeah, hopefully get a little insight and down the life of stuff. Nah, that'll be cool, mate. We all cheering for you and hope it all goes well. And before we let you go, I'd just like to thank our sponsors to wrap this one up in AS3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross and enduro parts, from hardware and protection parts, including skid plates and radiator races, to performance cooling parts, such as silicone radiator hoses and oversized impeller kits. AS3 also have a huge range of brake, clutch and gear levers, all with different features and adjustability. Check them out online at asuperformance.co.uk. And obviously Kawasaki Motors UK are also very pleased with the announcement and delivery of the new KLX 140R range. The easy to ride lineup offers a 144cc engine plus suspension and push button electric start, making for great trailblazers. The machines come in three different sizes, ranging from Junior's first tentative steps to pushing the door wide open on adult riding. The highly regarded range is ready and willing to add fun and enjoyment 23. Contact your local off-road dealer for more info. All right, Bobby, thanks again for joining us, mate. Had a blast chatting to you and all the British fans and fans across the world all be in your corner, mate, for 2024, hoping it's one filled with upside for you. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure to be on here and talk to you. I really appreciate that. Thank you. No worries, mate. Pleasure and all the best.